Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gesso Girls. It is Aaron and I today, and we're gonna be talking about artist accountability, which is so irrelevant right now to me because I'm starting a whole group that's all about staying accountable to your creative practice. And some of the topics that we're gonna be talking about today were brought up last episode. So we're going to dive a little little bit deeper into those and also kind of just talk about some main pillars of mine and Aaron's to staying accountable to our own creative practices. Um, Aaron, I know there was something we talked about last week that really struck a chord with you about this topic. Um, Yeah, Julia, last week you brought something up that it's been in my mind all week uh, that there is a stigma of artists keeping all their great creativity and artistic knowledge to themselves. And when I say to themselves, I mean they're not going to take that young junior creative and really guide them and help them learn the ropes because it's a threat uh, that they, and a threat, or they're going to think that they don't have enough of the education or the training. There's just so much um, stigma with that. And it made me really think that through and how the community aspect is so important uh, that that's kind of a huge missing piece of the puzzle in the artist space um, as a full-time mm-hmm. or part-time or whatever you are in it. I think it's something that everyone is missing um, along their creative journey. Yeah, and it might exist, but I feel as though it wasn't, maybe it's becoming a bit more relevant, or not relevant, but a yeah. bit more prevalent, I should say. Um, but I definitely felt like, especially when I was fresh out of art school just uh, like three years ago that I really did not know about anything about this and the closest thing that I knew that was this kind of community was a group as I mentioned last time that was like a lot older than me and they kind of had formed that group but for them it was kind of just more of like a hobby than a career for them at that point and um, I'm just excited about this this community aspect of the group that I'm going to be doing because When I decided to take on art full-time this time (laughs) around, because I had a stint of trying to do it full-time, fresh out of school, and then I had went back into, I went into corporate, a corporate job, and then got out again, and this time my mom asked me, like, well, what's going to be different Mm -hmm. this time? You know, last time you really struggled, and I said to her, you know, this time around I'm really going to focus on community and focus on realizing that I don't have to do this Mm -hmm. all by myself. And something, Erin, you said last week was about how you've realized you don't have to be the professional at everything. And I think taking that mindset that I don't have to be alone, I don't have to pretend I have it all together, and also that I can connect with other artists and really, like, just bond mm-hmm. over our mutual plight yeah. of trying, you know, of doing this, um, was really a big piece for me. And also developing that community and relationship with my collectors, too. Uh, because... Let's be honest, like jobs can be a whole lot better when you have coworkers. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a whole bunch of jobs that I've done growing up. Like I used to be a lifeguard when I was in high school and it was miserable, <laughs> but I remember I had like a really fun friend yeah. that did it with me. And so it was like better. And so that is like a huge piece that I think can be missing in the art world that also is a big piece of the accountability because if there's nobody to keep you accountable, um, sometimes it can be hard to like stick with yeah. it. Yeah, I think... Yeah, definitely. And I think part of the accountability is, I I hate to use the word cheerleader, but it helps to have those supports that isn't necessarily just friends and family. Um, Because obviously, like, they have to (laughs) be your cheerleader. But it's just nice when you have, like, that one person or your client that is, you've built a relationship with that is your biggest fan, wants to see you succeed, 
course your friends and family want to see you succeed, but it's always a little extra rewarding when it's someone who just stumbled across your work and is like, I love it. That's it. That's what I want in my home. That's what I want to be around and I want others to be able to experience it. Um, so I would definitely 100% agree with that. Um, um, something that I also was thinking about as well is what a lot of you don't hear behind the scenes is when we bring on any of our guest artists, we chat for probably almost two hours with these guest artists because it is such a yeah. nice space. I mean, you all could listen to it if you really wanted to, but sometimes we're, you know, we're just, yeah, we're just, we just rambling yeah. about art and the space and challenges we face, challenges that we don't face, things that, why we love it, why we get into it. And sometimes it's hard for just anyone to understand, but like the creative's minds, even us talking about like, oh, we do like 10 hundred different things. And it's like, why do we do that? It's because we're creative. We just, we can't stick to one. Um, we can, but right. I mean, it's why you don't paint the same thing over and over again. Uh, you eventually want to right. change it and mix it up. And I think that you ha- you saw that there was some fellow colleagues of yours that started their group. Uh, it makes me realize that they had to start it because it wasn't there. Like they had to find their friends and their colleagues to create that. And I hope that this program, um, Artist Accountability, becomes bigger than just a local networking. I hope it becomes across right. nation and global. Like people, like this is something we can all talk about. There's so many people that love art. Um, I think it's, is that it music is the universal language. Um, art is as, as as much as a universal language as, as well. And I think that's what's maybe what's drawn me so much to it, that it's when you don't have words, you have pictures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think also, you know, bouncing off what you just said about how multi-passionate a lot of artists can be sometimes what can be also difficult as an artist is when you are so multi-talented multi-passionate is you kind of start to spin your wheels a little bit you might have like a lot of ideas but sometimes getting those into motion and actually sticking to something can be hard but if you have a group of people who've heard you bounce off a lot of ideas a lot of ideas in the group and have heard you talk about a lot of things can be like hey well what's going on with that have you started that (laughs) have you done that and funny enough Speaking of which, uh, I have a friend who's has been really excited about this artist accountability group, and I had some things happen in my personal life that kind of pushed off like the start of this group. And he, sure enough, I was actually starting to get a little bit of cold mm-hmm. feet about even doing this group because it is a bit outside mm-hmm. my comfort zone. I think my comfy, cozy zone is when I'm alone mm-hmm. in my art studio, but I know like I'd still crave like the community aspect. But this mm-hmm. is new for me, and it hasn't. It hasn't, it's not something I've done before and leading a group can feel a little intimidating. And he kind of like called me out. He's like, Hey, I'm excited. Is this happening? Like, when is it coming out? And like, was texting me about it. And so he held me accountable to start the accountability (laughs) group, which I was like, this is so ironic. Like I need somebody to keep me accountable to start. It's like a, that's why it's so good to put those words out there. So you share your ideas. And I think that's something that I probably do myself is I, I'll say, I'll kick an idea around and then that. I mean, it makes you put, put things in motion. It makes you, I mean, we, I would say for myself, like I'm my worst enemy when it comes to all these ideas. Like I can come up with ideas for days, but like they don't do me any, doesn't do anyone else any good until I actually do something with it. Um, even going through this fashion line, we got some prototypes back this week and I realized I have so many different ideas and communicating them is very different when you're working in this different medium. Um, this is a new medium to me. I've always worked with paper. Three-dimensional was not my thing. And so now being like, I would say it's more of a three-dimensional art, it's 
a lot more measurements, <laughs> a lot more math and communicating in a different yeah. creative way because I'm a visual person. So I'm like, look at this picture. Well, I'm so used to being like, see this, something like this. Yeah. Whereas when you're working with someone mm -hmm. who's developing a tech pack, they're not visual, they're more calculated. And so yes. that's been such a learning for me. And I am working through it with my sister, which helps keep us both accountable um, to keep us moving through yeah. it. And I think that's for me, like even a podcast, I probably wouldn't have done it myself. And you've been sharing about it yeah. on here too, which I think is a big piece. And I think, so funny enough, if I'm thinking about like the trajectory of how I stay accountable, I think sharing in some sort of air quotes, mm -hmm. public way, you know, social media with a friend, something is kind of the first step of staying accountable. And for me, what's been really powerful was when I shared that I was doing art full time, it was like, okay, I'm sharing them doing art full time. I did I'm not, therefore I'm kind of like mm -hmm. jumping in and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this now. Like if I wouldn't got a, a part-time job in a week, I wouldn't be yeah. doing art full time, you know? So it's like, okay, I'm doing it full time. I'm sharing that and putting that out there in the world. And there's so much power in just like claiming it and saying it out loud and sharing it because nobody knows what you're, I think we all live, mm -hmm. live in this little world, especially as artists, like in our own heads. And we like think everyone can like see our thoughts and know what we're thinking and doing. But like the reality is they don't, no one has any clue. And so you have to verbalize it. And the power of that is then like, there's such a higher chance that's actually going to come into fruition if you just say it. I really think there's so much power in the, yeah, in the words and the sharing. Just sharing sometimes is a network system and a way to connect with others to realize there's so many people I didn't know that were artists that I know from my past that because they didn't pursue it as a career, I didn't think that, I didn't know that they had an artistic ability in painting and whatnot. And I think through COVID, I, people had more time and we've talked about this before, I actually saw a lot, and people were at home, um, I saw a lot more people starting to paint at home for just for as an outlet, and I thought it was amazing. And just being able to, and that all started from when I started sharing, like, oh, a lot of you know me as a yoga instructor. Did you know I went to school for painting? <laughs> like, that's what I originally went to school for. Um, and people were like, oh my gosh, me too. I just didn't end up pursuing it, or whatever, or I changed paths or I decided I want to do this instead and so just sharing I mean I think even Julia like you sharing your love of art through social media helped me connect with you and realize like hey let's do something together that's artistic and creative and can bring people together because you know I like talking about art <laughs> creativity yeah exactly and I think that there's once coming back to like you know, like, like I said, sharing first and then community kind of yeah. like stems from that sharing, like inevitably, because if I wasn't sharing about, you know, my creative journey, I doubt Aaron, you would have texted me and been like, Hey, we should like, we should do some kind of creative yeah. venture together. Like that wouldn't have happened. And also like, for example, today, like, I mean, you know, not to get all like monetary with it, but today I shared some more of my Chicago, like I've been doing these Chicago blues paintings that are like all blue like mm -hmm. color scheme and Chicago scenes and I got a little nervous because I hadn't really been like I don't know I just have been doing them I hadn't been any kind of mm -hmm. like a marketing plan for this next second launch of them um and I got kind of nervous I'm like oh my gosh like maybe no one's gonna buy any but I already had someone in like DM me and be like hey I want this and and so like even just sh just sharing you don't have to have like a massive yeah. marketing plan to share your art like just start sharing it um 
sharing it will create community and like it just kind of snows snowballs from there and reshare it you don't have to share like if you i think a lot of people were like oh i don't want to share it until everything's buttoned up because then i can't use it again um let's say you have 10 followers so 10 followers in six months are not going to remember that they saw the exact same painting or whatever you can share it again and by then maybe you have 40 followers um because i was there's i don't know if anyone's heard of this documentary and i haven't watched it yet it's called fake famous and it talks about the mental health of social media and people spend an average of two hours yeah. and something minutes on social media every day yeah it's been more <laughs> guilty as but charged. what i wanted yeah. to like say is that it's such a huge industry obviously for marketing and whatnot but to as Julia was kind of, I like everyone's like, you have to have a marketing plan. Like, yeah, a marketing plan is going to help you for planning ahead. But mm-hmm. sometimes overthinking it and over planning it is sometimes just as bad that, especially for a creative. Yeah. I think sometimes you guys, we all need that little bit of creative freedom within it, within your plan. And that mm-hmm. the fact that you can just be like, this is a cool piece of artwork they made today. I'm going to snap a phone and put it out there. It's perfect. And this is a tool to like yeah. grow community rather than a tool to like, be absolutely yeah. perfect and I definitely think there's like value in sharing like you know make your work look beautiful yeah. <laughs> like I'll have have the have the way you present it like you know elevate the work and all that but I think what it comes down to is social media is supposed to what it's supposed to be at its core is a place mm-hmm. to develop community and to and to be social <laughs> it's social media so I think when you when I started to actually switch my mindset into like okay I'm not just projecting an image I'm also interacting here it's really shifted for me and I think the mental health aspect is a big part of it and I think a lot of artists too like we get so caught up in our own our own stuff that we, you know, can't look outside of what's going on for us. And also just look at like bigger picture too. And another piece that I think is so important in order to stay accountable. I mean, as we just said, like you want to have some liberty and freedom within your planning, but you do, I think staying accountable is so much easier when you do have a plan. Just before we hopped on here, Aaron and I were talking about how, you know, if you go to the gym and I've done this, this so many times so where it's like, I go to the gym. Yeah, don't have a plan. It's like, okay, I'm tired. I'm just going to go. You like lift a weight or two. Then you go on the elliptical and you leave. You were there for like an hour and a half or whatever. And you basically were messing around and you got nothing accomplished. Hardly did a workout. Versus if you go and you maybe you went to an exercise class that was just like 30 minutes mm-hmm. and they like really worked you and you left and you're like left getting far more accomplished in those 30 minutes. That is kind of how I think we should all approach time in the studio is like treat it like a hit workout and obviously take time to like have, you know, be loose and be free, but maybe have certain, have that be like some days, but other days like be productive because when you feel productive, you want to return because you see results. What reminds me of like kind of like like effort and success just because you put 100 hours into something doesn't mean you're going to sell 100 paintings and you I believe have learned that a lot lately with this new series is that you were slaving away during the holiday season um with commissions and whatnot and you know burnt out almost and then you took a step back and started this new series and maybe you're not spending 100 hours like you were before creating this but it's just as successful if not more Um, So I think it's going back to that plan. It's maybe it's not thinking like I'm going to spend eight hours in the studio today. It's I'm going to accomplish this in the studio because if you know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. 
and it's not just hours because let's say you go to the gym for an hour if you don't know what you're gonna do for an hour like you could do two things or you could plan it and do 10 things um so i think that's like a great pointer um so always plan your workout and your meal plans and your paintings no (laughs) yes and i mean like i said there's it's, it's great to have time to like mess around and everything but when it comes to like actually getting like work done and feeling especially i think maybe you you've fallen out of your you all fall Mm -hmm. off the wagon occasionally right and this happens to me a lot in art where I'm just feeling uninspired when I go into the studio I think sometimes like the best thing it's kind of like shock your system a little bit and give yourself that kind of maybe stricter plan for a little bit just so that you get back into a rhythm and it becomes more natural again and you can it's easier to stay accountable when it's just like muscle memory at that point for me it's the planning, I think it's just making sure you you keep enjoying what you're doing. I think that's more of like, and if that means, you know, hitting it down, hitting the ground running hard and fast, or if it means a looser schedule, like whatever it may be. I mean, Julia, we were talking last week how you, because I asked you, I was like, well, why did you leave the corporate? Like, what made you want to move into art, art full time um, versus doing it? just like, you know, weekends and because it's something that a lot of people probably more, yeah, successfully most people do, probably do it that a lot way. People successfully, most people probably do it that way. And also a lot of people successfully have art as a side gig and have another full-time job. And for me, I know this is probably another pillar I would say of like how to stay accountable is so we just said like planning your time in the studio but also it comes to like the actual time like time of day you're in the studio because for some people like myself included I just don't work well after 5 p.m like I'm just so I get so tired like I'm just not it's just not how where I create my best work and I've tried my my hardest Mm -hmm. to, to do that and just it's really difficult for me and so I know a sustainable schedule for me is during the day and so as inconvenient as that was for having a full-time job, it means that for me, it was like, okay, I know that I want to take this art thing full-time eventually, but if if I can't do it in a way that's going to be good because I'm always exhausted, like, yeah. I'm never going to get there. So I might as well take this jump, make this take this risk, and do really good work and get, like, everything yeah. I need done so that I can do a great job. Um, otherwise, like, it's just... Yeah, totally. Happen, I mean, even think, I'm just, like, thinking while you're while you're chatting, um, just thinking about just natural light for painting. That yeah. alone makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, the artwork that I do, because of the style that I have, I usually sketch out a lot of stuff at a small scale. Um, and then, like, for example, I am painting a large-scale Tupac <laughs> um, portrait, yeah. and it's black and white. I don't know if I'll add anything else to it, but it's I can prep it and get everything I need to in a small scale, and then on the weekend, that's when I dedicate my time to actually sketching it out on the canvas, and then the next day I'll actually bring paint, I'll paint it, or usually impatient me wants to do it all at once. But that is something that I've learned for myself with my process because I am working full-time elsewhere uh, that, like you, if I'm done at five, like, I can't, I have to limit the eye, I have to give my eyes a break (laughs) Um, because I'm designing on a computer all day. So even though it's not, it's a different kind of 
visual strain. So I need to give my brain and mind a little bit of a break. But sometimes, you know, I'll sketch something out on my notepad or write down like things or go on Pinterest and see what cool things inspire me and styles. Uh, so then I'm prepared to use my Saturday or Sunday to actually create um, things that I like. And that's usually, I mean, even right now, I have this really weird obsession with building. Like each time Brandon comes upstairs, he's like, what are you building now? And I'm selling like I'm building things from scratch. I've become like the Ikea, like, like oh, the task Ikea rabbit. My sister's like, you should be a task rabbit and build, assemble stuff. I, for some reason, just really enjoy building like cabinets and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is such a fun thing. And I'm like, it's because it's like very rewarding. I mean, I've gotten down like, I have a... We should also say Aaron has oh, recently yeah. moved, so like this is probably very much like a part yeah. of your life. You're not just like randomly no. buying a bunch of things to I build. I needed like... to find storage for because usually all of my art stuff has been put in closets in just like plastic bins, and I'm fortunate enough to have like my own space now that like I can actually set stuff up. So I've been buying mm-hmm. these like, and I highly recommend them. They're from IKEA, and they are just like wooden file drawers or like cabinets and they're very simple but I can put all my pens in there my I mean I just have so much random art stuff and I want to make sure I have it accessible so I can use it because for me a big part of my accountability was um, I needed to have the resources at hand otherwise I just didn't get I made excuses Um, I don't want to set everything up I just I it was gonna make too much of a mess but when it's like right at my hands reach I can't make those excuses Um, I totally agree. I mean, I was saying I went live the other day to talk about the artist accountability group. And one thing I was mentioning was that when I made the investment, I mean, having a second mm-hmm. bedroom to our apartment was an investment. I mean, it's just my boyfriend and I were like, we don't need a second bedroom. So like, but we got, I was like, okay, but I, if I do that, and at the time I wasn't even a full-time and artist, COVID had it I was like, when you guys sat, when you COVID signed, had it, it which hit. thank goodness you had that extra bedroom, that creates enough space. Thank God. <laughs> Because we had contemplated, I'd almost compromised and said, like, no, like, it's okay. Like, our next mm-hmm. place, like, we'll get a cheap bedroom. But we found something that made mm-hmm. financial sense for us and everything. And But it was still, like, I mean, it mm-hmm. costs more to rent a two-bedroom than a one-bedroom. And so, but I was like, okay, if I make that commitment, though, and I have that space, it'll happen. And it's so true. And I really think that it was a huge component. I mean, before we moved, I was living at my parents and I was Mm -hmm. painting in their basement. And something about like, well, A, it's a basement. It's kind of dark and dreary. But it also wasn't my space and I wasn't like paying to be there in in a way. So there was just like less like, I wouldn't call it pressure, but like incentive to want to make it worth it. And there's so much like mental... There's a huge mental component of when you like pay for something, like making it's like an it worth obligation. It. Um, yeah, like if you pay for a gym membership, I'm, I, I don't know why I'm having so many. I did just work <laughs> out, so I guess maybe this is why I'm having so many like gym parallels. We both but, are into fitness, like, so it's probably why it's natural. Yeah, like if you just had a, I mean, because I'm also guilty of like it's hard. Sometimes I fall off the wagon like working out and stuff too. So I, I guess I'm comparing them, but. It's if you pay for a gym membership or like a Peloton or some mm-hmm. kind of equipment, like it's like, well, I paid for that. I, I should use mm-hmm. it, like make it worth my the money I spent um, versus just someone like giving it to you. So creating your space and pay, like, you know, investing in your space, like making it nice, making it pretty with like organization and stuff is another huge way, I think, to um energize yourself and get excited about work like painting too even if you aren't excited about like 
actually painting it's like at least make it the yeah. space well and pretty. the accountability <laughs> and like that what you were just saying reminds me of me going back to school like taking classes again mm-hmm. um that routine helped me stay accountable uh i would mm-hmm. not have dedicated like i sewed an entire dress in eight weeks which may sound like a short time to some of you or a really long time but man i was yeah. sitting down for three hours at a time i had six hours worth of class each week no, three hours for this one class and then six hours for another class. So I had a lot of hours dedicated plus work and such. But I would never have given myself that time to carve out to practice sewing or learn how to sew. I would have just pushed it off. And th- that's why I intend to take another class this summer because guess what? I have not touched the sewing machine since my class ended. And sure, right. it's expense. It's not cheap to take these classes, but it helps me. I mentioned this last time. It's investing in myself. It's investing in, and think about that, yeah. like your space, you're investing in the space. Why? For you. You're investing in whatever it's for you. Um, so don't think of it mm-hmm. as, um, you know, the negative sign on your bank account. Think of it as an investment. Um, and I yeah. think it will keep you, you're like, I got to use this investment to like maximize it, uh, get the most out of it. Yeah. And as a little side note to that, I just want to like make this clear because I think, I've gotten this question, just because I've gotten Mm -hmm. this question a lot, is, like, when should I, like, invest in a studio space? Like, and by studio space, I mean, like, outside of your home. Like, a place you leave and go to? um, Place you leave and go to. And that is a... I'm not there yet, personally, like, in terms of being able to, like... I mean, I have Mm -hmm. the second bedroom, but I think that's probably still cheaper, maybe, than, like, renting another whole space. It has to make financial sense for you, but... If you don't have, like, maybe you're not an established artist, maybe, like, you're not even making money from your art at this time, you can still carve out, like, a little, you know, corner for yourself in your home that maybe you aren't currently paying for, but, like, you know, inv- maybe it's, it means investing in materials instead um, versus, like, going balling out and get yeah. an art studio because you obviously don't want it to become a, a source yeah, of stress either. It's, like, it needs to make sense. Um, well, I also really like that, that question that you got was, like, when is it – appropriate to get a studio and I feel like there's not really an answer it's like someone's comfort level and for me I don't I like working in my space that I have Um, maybe my mind will change in the future Uh, maybe when I create my space for others that'll become my space Um, but I don't know I feel like maybe it's because I have dogs and I enjoy the space where I can have my dogs and most likely if I go and rent a space, that might not be the case. I'm sure some places allow it, but that'd be a limitation for me. So I like to be able to just like run downstairs and get a cup of coffee when I need it and paint. Um, something that I did a lot this summer for the, anyone that's kind of like trying to explore spaces. I took, I was at my parents' house in the suburbs and they like fear paint and they, I don't know, I've never spilled paint anywhere or have gotten it anywhere, and I've like maybe it's because I in high school I like Same. painted all my walls and my doors and gave them murals that they were so appreciative of. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I got banned to the garage this summer for painting because they 
I wasn't even allowed to paint on the driveway unless there was like a tarp on it. I'm like, oh, are you serious? But um, I ended up getting like a collapsible table and a rollaway cart. So it was just really easy just to pull everything out into the grass and then pull everything back into the garage. So even just thinking of like crafty ways, I mean, we're creative. Um, there's great ways to find space. I mean, obviously in Chicago, that's not what you can do right now, unless your like form of art is like ice sculptures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you, you like, like freezing Or like there's a technique you do with yeah. gloves. <laughs> um, yeah. But maybe in the, the summertime. And also like, how cool would that be if like everyone had like garage doors open and everyone was just painting and having an artist block party? That could be fun. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. So, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of ways to, like, hack it, and I've also heard from another more established artist that the time to get a studio outside your own home is when it, it is, the the rent for it is 10% of your profits each each month. So that means if it's, like, a $500 studio, you'd be making $5,000 a month. It's a good rule of thumb. Which, I know, that, which sounds like a lot, but at least you know it wouldn't be yeah, stressful. That's It'd fair. be, like... That's just, you know, I mean, maybe it could be if you're comfortable with a little bit more or like also I think sometimes when you do invest in the studio, something kind of like happens where you kind of start, to take it more, yeah. like I said before. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, plus because people like being an artist or having any of your own jobs, it's, it's commission. It's, you don't know, there's no guarantee pay, like the paycheck's not going to be the same every single month. So I like how it is significantly yeah. higher um, that she... Mm-hmm. But as long as you're like yeah, averaging, yeah, that's, that's what she nice. meant. It's like as long as you're averaging, because yeah, I'd be like, that's a lot yeah. of money to get to through art. Um, not that it could, it'll be done over time, but I think it's one of those things. It's like okay, but that that's gonna like keep you afloat for the full year. Like that's like your safety. It like you said, it's averages. You're gonna have one month that's gonna be something else, and another month that's something else. I mean, that was that's the entertainment mm-hmm. industry for you too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the next, I wanted to like move on to the next pillar that I feel like kind of ties into this one, Which and that is. Can we just repeat them while we're? Yes. So we so far we've talked about how commu- like sharing your work yep. out in the world out loud to a friend to social media is like so crucial mm-hmm. to just propelling yourself to actually create the thing. Um, side note: also signing up for like festivals and things like that is a great way to like also start sharing your work and like there's like a deadline there putting it somewhere not only that you can see (laughs) yeah not only in your own brain like Mm -hmm. yeah i'll get to it eventually um and then the next would be like once you start sharing like a community starts to happen and when you really are community focused and use like social media as social rather than just like here's like a little you know, pin board mm-hmm. of all my art, but like socializing and interacting. That's a huge piece. And then, so the next we talked about was like planning your time out, planning what you're going to accomplish in the studio. And then also making sure your schedule like suits your like creativity the best. And like when you know you are productive. Um, and then we talked about how just like a side note from that is like setting up your actual physical space. So it's like a space you're excited to be um, and that feels like it's really like catered to your creativity. And so stemming from that and the conversation about like, you know, when it maybe like, makes sense to have a studio is like kind of like finances mm-hmm. a little bit. And this might not apply to everybody mm-hmm. who wants to be consistent in their creative practice because maybe not everybody is motivated to like make money from their creative practice. But if you are, um, I really think that making 
this also ties into the planning bit, making the artwork make financial sense, mm -hmm. I think is a huge piece of it. And as Aaron mentioned before, I went through a time with like commissions over the over Christmas time and I was like kind of slaving away and it was really difficult to like get all this work done. And at the end of it, I really didn't feel like I had made enough money to justify mm -hmm. the amount of time. And now that I've kind of tried to like re-engineer in the beginning of this year, like, okay, where is my time? Like I looked really critically, where is my time literally best spent mm -hmm. <laughs> and like literally making like working for me and making me money. I feel so, so much more motivated to create that work because I know it's going to like pay off mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Then, and I think that that's a huge thing too to stay accountable when you know it's gonna like, and you can't always know for sure, right? But if you look at like the trends for your work and really take note of that, I think you can really, it's helpful to feel more motivated when there's like, because let's be honest, if you're getting paid to do something, you're always a little bit more motivated than if it's you're doing it for free. So. Yeah, and question with about your Blue Chicago series. Um, was it something that you created like 10 different pieces and then introduced it to the world? Or did you start with one and then realize, oh, wow, people really like it. And then you started with one. I did a beta. It was like a little bit of a beta yeah. test because so the, the story behind it is actually I had done another watercolor that was on really nice paper and that I'd bought. It was like a large watercolor and it was I had to cut it down, though, and I had some scraps and this was nice paper. I didn't want to waste it. So I kind of cut it up. I was like, oh, just. I had a lot of like blue watercolor paint on my palette and I was like, I'll just do like a, a Chicago scene because I've been doing Chicago scenes, but I'll just do it all in blue. And then I, I realized there were like odd sizes, these watercolors. So I'm like, okay, I probably should have them like already <laughs> framed because it would be a hard, it would be hard to frame these. So I found these frames that kind of could facilitate any sort of odd shape within like this particular size because it's like a clear glass frame and then I just posted it on Instagram and I was like let's just see what happens and I only had two of them at the time and people really loved yeah. them and then I decided to create more because they sold out like someone bought them after like five minutes of posting that's awesome them. I was like okay people really <laughs> like these I'll make more of them and some so yeah so sometimes it happens by experimenting yeah and something like to just know that what Julia did and what from I'm gonna make it toxic with marketing stuff, but she put those, those frames probably made a huge, huge difference too when it came to marketing the product, because there's a lot of people that just can't visualize it. And I think that made it seem more polished to them. And it's, a, I want to say it's like a visual mind game with your audience, but it is, um, it's going to look more premium and more. Yeah. It's going to look like they're buying a true piece of art and not just some like piece of paper with stuff on it. Um, yep. I mean, that's so many people think that framed art looks so much more. I mean, I go on and on about this all the time when with like canvases that I paint that sometimes I feel like canvases don't look finished because um, they're not framed and matted. Uh, and I'm such a, I like matted work. I think that always looks really great. Um, a lot of my artwork doesn't allow it because I, and I've, been, I've slowly learned buy my frame <laughs> that's a custom, like a traditional or make your artwork more traditional sizes than just whatever size you want them because I learned that the hard way and then I had to go get custom framing and boy is that expensive yeah, expensive yeah. yeah and so that's something I always remind anyone that I know that's also buying artwork I'm like just so you know like buying framed art is expensive because frames are expensive too uh, they so are don't expensive. like think you're like getting screwed over like no you're probably getting a good deal <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, too, like, that comes back to, so, yeah, I, you know, making it make sense financially, like, I made the small shift mm -hmm. of, like, adding a frame in, and 
I think it probably made it easier to sell too. So like the same amount of work that maybe I would have done, but if not, it was not framed, maybe wouldn't have sold. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about that adding a little bit of strategy, adding a little bit of planning um, in order to make it worth your while, quite literally. Yeah, I mean, it's really just thinking it through instead of just spitting stuff out. Um, yeah, cause it, pause. It, yeah, pause. I mean, it goes <laughs> back it. to the whole, like, just because you paint 100 paintings doesn't mean you're going to sell 100. So it's yeah. like taking the moment and thinking through each one properly um, will help you be successful. And unless you're just printing it off of a printer. Which is also yeah. fine, <laughs> but yeah, don't print all hundred at once. <laughs> that like intentionality—it's kind of what like the root of all of this is. So yeah, I think in conclusion, it, like the the main things as we said, I'll repeat one more time, is that <laughs> you should make sure that you're sharing so that you are staying accountable to the community that you create, and also that you are really being intentional about the way you are planning your time in the studio so that you're not fumbling, fumbling, wow, fumbling, like my words, fumbling around um, and actually being as productive as possible so that you see results because results are really rewarding. Um, And also making sure that you create like a sustainable schedule for yourself that's based off of when you can be most creative. And then lastly, making sure that like the work you're, you're excited about what you're creating and that also yet you feel like it's making financial sense for you if that's something that is a goal of yours. Um, And like I said, in the artist accountability group, I'll definitely be going into all of that stuff and really focusing in on like what each person's needs are in the group. So if this is something that sounds interesting to you and you want to join the group, um, registration for that is opening up on February 19th, I think which is a Friday. And then I'll have a five day challenge next week that I'm doing. It's going to be based off of kind of those five pillars. So if you want to join that, follow me at artist accountability group on Instagram. And thank you for listening, Aaron, (laughs) any, any plugs for you? Anything? My, yeah. The last thing is to keep you accountable. When is the, the, Artist Accountability Group going live, live. Like, oh, when will so, it officially kick off? What oh, day? so it's, it's March. It's the first week of March. I think I said March 3rd, but I'm going to really, um, I will communicate with everybody in the group because maybe like a <laughs> Wednesday doesn't work for everybody. So I'm going to try to tailor to whoever's in the group that day. But the first week of March will be when it awesome. actually kicks off. So And details are in the description for this podcast. So please feel free to check it out when you have a moment and drop us a comment, a review, and we look forward to chatting with you all next week. Yep. Talk soon, guys.